The Water Values Podcast, Session 138. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resources, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now here's your host, Dave McGimson. Hello and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. As my daughter Sarah said, my name is Dave McGimsey and thanks so much for joining us for the special edition 2018 year end, the year in water. Uh, we've got a great panel for you of some water utility experts. We have uh, Paula Kehoe, who is the Water Resources Director for the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission. We have Todd Danielson, the Chief Utilities Executive for Avon Lakes Regional Water in Northeastern Ohio. And we have Reese Tisdale, president of Bluefield Research. Uh, these water utility experts are going to give you their thoughts on the year we just saw in water and also provide some, uh, you know, a, a brief look ahead to what, we, what they're expecting uh, out of 2019 in the water industry. As per usual, before we get to the actual interview, uh, let's take care of a little bit of housekeeping. Thank you so much for uh, helping me achieve the goal of hitting 100 five-star ratings by the end of the year. We're still too shy, uh, so we're we're sitting at 98 five-star ratings. So please, uh, before December 31st, if you've enjoyed the show, why not head on to Apple Podcasts and give it a five-star rating? And while you're at it, Type in a little review and let folks know why you think uh, they ought to be listening to the Water Values Podcast. Also, if you want to, if you're in the giving spirit, uh, the Water Values Podcast is still taking donations uh, to help us keep the water flowing, so to speak. Uh, you can go to the website, thewatervalues.com, scroll down a little bit. There's a little uh, yellow gold PayPal button on the right. Just click on it. Any denomination helps defray the cost of putting on the podcast. So thank you so much uh, for your donation in advance. Uh, with that said, let's get on with the show. Let's get on to Paula Kehoe, Todd Danielson, and Reese Tisdale. So fasten your seatbelts, open the valves, and here we go. Well, Reese, Paula, and Todd, welcome to the Water Values Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on for this special year-end edition where we're going to kind of review what happened in 2018, maybe take some look ahead uh, to 2019. Um, let's get things going. Reese, I'm going to I'm going to fire the first question to you, and that is uh, be, because you're you're not affiliated with a utility here, so I want to get your unvarnished. A, you know, take on what happened in 2018. What were the key water industry takeaways from 2018 before we get to, to Paula and Todd, who are in the utility industry? Sure. So, Dave, yeah, it's, I'm glad to be back, uh, as always. Yeah, unvarnished is one way to put it. I will see <laughs> if I can throw, throw some things out there. Um, you know, we're a market research firm, so we're looking at various trends or activities happening in the market, whether it be municipal or industrial. But more broadly speaking, look, I think as a whole, I think it's been, from our perspective, it's been a pretty good year. And how do we judge that? Well, I think, you know, broadly speaking, if we're talking about the municipal sector, I mean, the economy has been pretty good. Housing starts are up. Um, so, you know, from a supply chain point of view or engineering, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of build happening. Uh, so I think, you know, it's a, it's been a robust marketplace. I think the other thing that, you know, so that's one point, good market. The second point would be, you know, in this somewhat selfishly because we've focused more on this and maybe it's self-fulfilling, but there's growing interest in the digital market 
marketplace or sort of market activities or solutions. And the reason for that, I think really, is partly uh, there's greater demand for that or greater interest from the municipal side of the business in trying to figure out what are ways that the municipalities or utilities uh, as a whole can figure out ways to be more efficient, understand their networks, basically using data and analytics. I think the other part of it is it's the world we live in, right? So I think there's sort of this pressure in all our lives to figure this out. And as a result, you know, in our our data shows, we're tracking now upwards 325, give or take a couple companies active in the digital water space. So it's pretty incredible how many companies, whether it be just in the U.S. or globally, that are active in this space. I think that's... You know, and that's seen through whether it be venture capital investments, private equity investments, but also just new startups. And then I think lastly, which sort of leads to the to the broader interest in water, wastewater management as a whole, and that is, you know, sort of one way we do help companies, there are outsiders looking in, as we call them. So there are a number of companies, whether they be gas utilities or service providers, they could be electric service providers, and investors looking at the water sector and trying to figure out ways to, I don't know if it's a good way to put it, capitalize on the industry. They think that there's a need for whether it be capital or some sort of operational uh, improvements, and so therefore they think they can get into it. So I'd say as a whole, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been a good market. You know, uh, it's been fairly robust. So those are my three ta- general takeaways. All right. Uh, does that kind of, you know, Paula, does that kind of match uh, what what you've seen in 2018? Do you do you kind of see that it was like 2018 was a good market year? Certainly. I think from the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission's perspective, it was a, it was a great year. Uh, we are a water, wastewater and power utility. So we provide three key, key utility services here in San Francisco. We also wholesale water outside of San Francisco. Um, last year and, and the previous years, we've really been focusing on a, a number of, of activities. One is to diversify our water supply portfolio. So we're actually uh, actively uh developing new local water supplies here in the city and county of San Francisco. And so that's been an exciting effort and movement. For example, we're blending groundwater uh, with our surface water supplies, using recycled water to irrigate our parks and golf courses. Uh, We're also pioneering new ways to capture and treat water on site with new buildings and developments here in San Francisco. And and in terms of the digital um, market, we certainly are moving forward on that. We've uh, completed the transformation of our our meters. We now have automated meters throughout our entire service area here in San Francisco. Uh, that's been in, it has enabled us uh, to communicate more effectively with our customers. We have a, a My Account. They can see the, their actual consumption and use in uh, water uh, within the home or business. And, and again, so that enables us uh, certainly to have more data analytics from the utility side, but also from the customer side. Um, and so uh, and. So it's been a, it's been an exciting year, and happy to talk about any of those uh, efforts that we've been doing in greater detail. Yeah, I really want to get into a couple of those points, but I, but but before we do that, Todd, I want to get your your take on how was the you know the, the takeaways from 2018 uh, from your Ohio-based utility. 
Sure. And, you know, just to, to add on to Paula, I mean, we are a public utility like like uh, like Paula's uh, utility, San Francisco Public. However, we're much smaller. Our, our organization, uh, we serve the city of Avon Lake, Ohio, which is a, uh, a city of 24,000 people. Um, and then we have a, a broader wholesale population for water. So, so we look at this from probably, I'd say, a mid-sized utility perspective. And I would say that um, 2018, either at the national level or definitely at the state level, there are a lot of major regulatory um, or legislative initiatives that have been ongoing. And I think utilities are, are really kind of in the midst of, of really changing how they're playing within the whole space. Uh, here in Ohio, we have new lead and copper regulations. Uh, we are just... Um, uh, responding to new asset management regulations, which are definitely helping us go a little bit more digital. And there are a variety of other um, topics that, that are being discussed with Ohio EPA. So I think I think the whole sector, you know, the, the, the words I would say, it's, it's building momentum in many different ways. And, and I think we're all starting to have to move a lot faster. I think those are great points. I think all of you have identified a lot of uh, interesting things. Uh, Paul, I want to key on some of the things you you were talking about the first is diversification of water supply. And can you, can you expand on that a little more in terms of, uh, cause it, it, it sounded like you, you indicated local water supplies. There was, re, you know, reuse and recycling in there. Can you, can you expand on, um, SFPUC's, uh, diversification efforts? Certainly I'd be happy to. So, uh, San Francisco PUC, we do have a local water program, and again, that effort is all about developing local water supplies here within the city and county of San Francisco. Majority of our supplies, just to provide context, uh, comes from the Tuolumne River, which is stored in uh, Yosemite National Park in our Hetch Hetchy Reservoir, which is located about 250 miles away from San Francisco. So uh, it's important for us to develop uh, water supplies to diversify, increase our reliability and our resiliency within our water system. And uh, our local water program, we have a conservation program. In fact, we've been promoting conservation for over 25 years. Uh, it's a core water management strategy for us here at the utility. Um, we've been providing financial incentives and also we have uh, uh, requirements uh, establishing um, requirements for efficient fixtures. And all of that work has, has led to uh, where we are today. Our residential per capita is approximately 42 gallons per person per day. That's about half the statewide average. Um, so we're among the lowest here in the state. Um, and again, that's been a, a great partnership with our community as a whole. We also have a groundwater program. Uh, we are blending groundwater supplies, uh, pumping groundwater. We have an aquifer here in the city about 270 to 400 feet below the surface. We pump groundwater. Uh, we blend that with our surface water supplies and have been serving that to our customers. And we have a recycled water program focusing really on centralized recycled water, taking wastewater and treating it so it's safe to use for irrigation of our large parks and golf courses in San Francisco. Uh, we're building a plant right now to serve Golden Gate Park, which is about 1,000 acres. So it's a pretty significant recycled water program we have here in the city. Um, our, our pioneering efforts, and we really are leading uh, here in San Francisco as well as uh, across the country, is, is the role of decentralized water treatment systems. That's about installing uh, smaller water treatment systems in buildings and new developments here 
here in San Francisco, we see that as a way to uh, integrate with our centralized infrastructure, creating um, more resiliency in our water system. And just a couple examples, we have a new sports arena, for example, Chase Center. They're going to be capturing and treating gray water and rainwater and condensate. They'll be using that to flush the toilets throughout the arena. Salesforce Tower, folks may have heard of. It's the tallest building west of the Mississippi. It's 1,070 feet. Uh, they're moving forward and installing a, a black water treatment system to treat all of the, the wastewater and use that to flush the toilets throughout the building. And, and we have a number of other examples to share um, in, in, in terms of how we're moving forward with these kinds of applications. That's obviously fascinating stuff. Todd, I, I'm curious how water supply diversification um, impacts your utility uh, in, from two different perspectives, really. Uh, you know, Paula's obviously in California, and, and we all, you know, I think it's it's pretty well understood that California has, you know, water issues. But in from a Midwest perspective and a small utility perspective, I'm, I'm kind of curious what your take on water diversification is for, for your area. Sure. Well, thank you, David, for that question. It actually is kind of interesting. We we are literally located on the shores of Lake Erie. So as as you could think, there's there's a lot of water right beside <laughs> us. Um, so, but even the, even with that being the case, uh, you know, Lake Erie, as as we all know, has been in the news quite a bit uh, due to um, some of the source water issues with respect to algal blooms. So uh, we're not looking for a different water supply per se. But what we're looking for are um, maybe interconnections of the various utilities along the lake. That way, if there happens to be some issue at one water utility, there could be uh, backup at another water utility, uh, you know, with through interconnection. So we're looking at that. We're even considering the idea of, of how can we better protect the source water? How can, how can we better protect Lake Erie? I mean, what should water utilities do for that? Um, but then even uh, to add on to that, especially as there is that interest in protecting Lake Erie, should we consider things such as, uh, you know, reclaimed water? Should we, should we, rather than discharging our effluent into Lake Erie, should we reclaim it? Should we use it for other purposes so as to reduce the amount of nutrients that are going back into the lake? So I think, you know, there is a slightly different perspective than, than uh, maybe out in the West, but it, it's, there are a lot of similarities at the same time. Yeah, I'm interesting. You know, in terms of the the collaboration angle uh, with with multiple interconnections and things like that, um, what what are the obstacles that you're you're facing in 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 promoting that type of collaboration or regionalism almost? Well, I think part of it just comes back to I mean, here in Ohio. You know, it's it's a municipal based type of uh, form of government, so we have to consider. Um, ways to do this in a way that does not impinge on others' independence. So we really are looking at this initially from um, uh, just a resiliency uh, point of view, you know, in, in, uh, interconnection agreements where we could provide water to them or they could provide water to us. I think, though, that might eventually grow. I think um, there are some local – there are some other states in the, in the nearby area that have – um, slowly regionalized uh, water facilities, uh, mostly because, uh, you know, I mean, you know, providing water service, I mean, you're protecting public health, uh, and there's a huge, you know, importance to that. And, you know, some of those that do not quite have those skills, um, 
you know, the the other other governmental agencies have been sort of saying maybe you shouldn't be doing that. And Ohio is starting to look at that too. So, you know, maybe we start with, you know, emergency interconnections, but maybe it grows. Maybe maybe there gets to be people that are focusing a little bit more on on providing that important public health protection and others that are saying, you know what, we can we can focus more on other things. Interesting. Okay. I, Go ahead. I was going to say something, Dave. I think that it's interesting, sort of, Todd, to hear you come from that perspective. Because, Paula, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but in one of the advantages, like you touched upon, the decentralized uh, wastewater treatment, particularly at commercial facilities, in one of the advantages for the city or the utility itself, also to re- reduce the demand on capacity on sort of the wastewater side on the back end. So it's more of a holistic approach, correct? And I guess. If that's, in fact, true, if I'm not, then you can call me down. But I guess the other part of that is why aren't – what prevents uh, municipalities or utilities from thinking that way? Well, certainly um, the decentralized uh, facilities um, really uh, are an example of our One Water SF approach. And, and basically what we mean by One Water here in San Francisco is that we look at projects – um, that can provide multiple benefits to our water, wastewater, and power utilities um, here. So we're not, again, trying to just focus on one project for, again, the water water side of the house. We're trying to look at how can we develop these projects and programs that, that are complementary and have synergies between our different operations. So certainly that uh, concept of decentralized has benefit both to our water and wastewater uh, utilities, and, and so that's a, that's a great example. Um, I, I would like to add that we, we are here, the San Francisco PUC, we do work on a Bay Area on a regional basis, uh, similar to what was just being discussed in Ohio. We, we work uh, with six other regional water suppliers um, to identify and develop opportunities for collaboration. And for example, we already have a couple of uh, inner ties or, or connections uh, with other utilities that, that do serve as a purpose right now, currently for emergency uh, ways of, of, of transferring water from one utility to the other. Um, but we're also looking at other opportunities, again, to increase our supply reliability throughout the region uh, through maybe potentially additional inner ties, um, new water supplies, uh, really focusing on, on drought contingency plans as, as water scarcity is one of our greatest challenges here in the state of California. So we uh, uh, we uh, think that obviously looking from our within our own utility, but also partnering with, with our other regional water suppliers in, in the Bay Area is, is the way to go for, for collaboration and, and to improve our reliability. Yeah. So, so Reese, I want to, I want to come back to you as well and talk about, what what you've heard from Paula and Todd about this this uh, diversification efforts and kind of the regionalism piece, how does that match up with with what Bluefield's uh, market intelligence is is coming up with? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely people are interested. I mean, look, I think everybody will listen to ideas, and every you know, in every I'd say municipality, or I mean, there are a lot of them, so they're all at different stages. I mean, just even on on this uh, on this podcast, we have two different size systems and sort of giving different perspectives. I you know, I went. And I guess my question to Paula would be, and and maybe even really to Todd, is how much of what is happening in San Francisco, which is which is really interesting, without a doubt. The decentralization, also the reuse of supplies overall, and sort of 
regionalization or even emergency transfers. How much of that is a California phenomenon? Because everybody looks at California, and it's not just the water business. It's also the renewable energy business. Everybody looks at it and says, what's happening in California? How are they doing it? In many ways, the state as a whole is leading for whatever reason. You know, in this case, obviously, drought um, and basically supply risk um, that we've seen over the past, you know, five years and then some. So there's always interest. So you're seeing things in places like, uh, I mean, El Paso, you know, they're moving towards a closed loop reuse system. And so that's West Texas. They've got population growth there. They have water supply or water risk issues. So they're doing that. You know, Florida, on the other hand, is a different matter. They get, they get, they get drawdowns on their aquifers, and so they get, you know, sal- you know, saline intrusion. So I think it's a broader, I mean, not to say well, it depends, but it kind of does on the system. But that's not to say that others can't learn from one another. I think that's the bigger takeaway from all of this because there's a little bit here, a little bit there that um, utilities and or operators can, can cherry pick. Yeah, interesting stuff. All right. So let's shift gears a little bit and, and talk about workforce. And I'm kind of curious about, uh, you know, so so Todd, I'll come back to you and say, uh, in terms of aging workforce issues, this has been kind of on the horizon of water utilities for a while. And what, what did 2018, uh, you know, what were your takeaways from a workforce perspective? You're all well, overworked. You're going to say that, are you? <laughs> <laughs> No, you know, uh, I think the days are always too short, (laughs) definitely, but um, I think that as the economy has has turned around, uh, many of those that had been staying in the workforce – um, have have now decided that okay it is time to to start uh, retiring we we definitely are seeing retirements in 18 in 2019 we're a small organization now we, we only have about 40 people and in 2019 I, I could swear there's probably between 15 and 20 percent of our workforce that that has indicated they will retire uh, so I mean we have huge numbers of, of, of retirements and, and um, that goes down to we, we are in a, the process of, of definitely um, succession planning. We're in the process of, of skilling up the younger workforce. We're in the process of trying to find, um, I don't want to say people that will replace, but, but people that will help take us to that next level uh, as, we, as we embrace new software, as we look at new ways of doing business. Um, you know, the, the customers are starting to expect more from us, which is good. And I think as we can find that workforce that can help uh, provide that, those levels of service, we're going to be uh, much better off. Yeah, and, and the very interesting, I, you know, I, 20% of your workforce coming near retirement is, is uh, that is kind of eye-opening. Uh, Paula, you, you mentioned that San Francisco PUC completed its AMI rollout. Uh, recently, and so I'm kind of curious from a from a workforce perspective, is technology uh, going to help supplant some of the retirements, or is it going to going to kind of fill the fill the gap? Uh, you know, whether it's machine learning, AI, you know, things like AMI, is that helping to to relieve SFPUC's uh, workforce issues? Yeah, it's, it's certainly it's a, it's a different skill set as you can imagine. Um, 
But we here at the PUC um, are, are facing workforce issues. Um, nearly 50% of our employees are eligible to retire in the next five to 10 years. That's a, that's a significant issue. Um, but 2018 was a great year to address these issues. Uh, we actually uh, were part of an effort and sponsored uh, the Water Resources Development Act of 2018, uh, which provides a competitive grant program for workforce development in the water and wastewater utilities uh, sector. So we're really excited to be part of that effort. Um, the federal grant program uh, will fund training and career development uh, for workers, again, in, in the water and wastewater field. So we are very excited about that uh, program. It's the first federal competitive grant program for, for water workforce. Um, and we're looking forward to the implementation and rollout of that program as it will help, certainly help our utility as well as many utilities uh, throughout the country. Reese, can you, can you kind of close the loop on this in terms of smart water and how the technology is going to impact the workforce and things like that? What, you know, what's Bluefield's kind of thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's really, that's sort of the, the one thing that, well, not one, but one <laughs> of the issues, it, it gets thrown out there. I think, you know, it, it's a matter of someone's, even if you switch to AMI, and I think Paula alluded to this, if you switch to AMI or some other software platform, you know, within, you know, whatever, some leakage management, it could be just billing itself. Someone's still got to manage the data, understand the data, be able to analyze it and make sense of it, right? I mean, data is only as good as, you know, the data and the analysis that comes out of it. And I think we've seen that. I'm in Boston. It's the same thing here. You know, as they add in new systems, they may not need the readers out in on the streets, and that number may ultimately be reduced, but then you're going to need someone inside the house to deal with all of this. And I think that's really where the opportunity is. Um, you know, we I think let's not get too, you know, too far ahead of ourselves. I mean, I think we all do this in our daily lives. There's a lot of information out there. The question is, what do we do with it? You know, do we outsource it ourselves? So I think that is a, a big uh, it, it's the it's the panacea that jobs are going to disappear but i think it's really more of a reallocation of jobs in many in many ways um but yeah i mean 15 to 20 or little in 50 percent i mean if that happened to bluefield research i might as well close up shop now that's scary <laughs> so that's a, that's a big drop yeah uh, in terms of uh, all these employees that are going to be retiring, what does it mean for the field? What does it mean for infrastructure deployment, um, you know, in terms of population growth and things like that? You know, there's always going to be new connections and things like that. That means there's more miles of pipe to maintain. Uh, you know, Todd, any thoughts on, on uh, you know, infrastructure, population growth, and how it relates to, to per perhaps a shortage of workers? Yeah, I think that um – I'd say over the last, I don't know, 10 or 20 years, maybe maybe more, you know, parents have, have been pushing their children, go to college, do, you know, do these high-tech jobs and all those other things. Now, I completely agree with what Paula and Reese were saying, that we are going to have um, a much more a, a changed workforce. However, we will always need the people that are willing to get in the hole and fix that pipe or to replace things. And so I, I think a number of utilities are starting to try to work with the local high schools, the local uh, vocational schools, maybe community colleges to try to find this new workforce. I mean, 
Look at Mike Rowe and Dirty Jobs. I mean, he, he keeps pushing this idea that there is always going to be that, that the need for these types of people. And we definitely, we definitely in, in, in the utility sector need people that, that don't mind getting dirty. And, uh, and, and I think that's, that's going to be a, a huge push uh, for the next several years to, to find those people. Yeah, I think – I mean, I would say, though, that the big push for that – I mean, I, and I agree with that. Yes, yeah, someone's got to dig the ditches. And so – but then again, I guess the question is can you dig – you know, can you be more precise in your ditch digging? You know, instead of digging up a whole street, you dig – you know, once you have a better understanding of where the problem is or where the need is, and then you can zero in. I mean, they're they, – these things, I mean, it's amazing how the world has changed. I mean, we're talking about what's the one company that flies a satellite over, and they're using microwaves to figure out where the leaks are. I'm not saying it works or doesn't work. What I'm saying is the technology advancements that have happened are so incredible, you know, with AMI, but just like all these other things. I, I agree with you. Someone has definitely got to do it. I, th I would also add that, you know, one good thing that, you know, the California drought has done is, you know, it has put water in the news. Um, it's on the front page. There's 36 million people facing, you know, you know, water constraints. And I would say that has, has water become sexy? I, you know, we've seen that happen back to my, I referred to the renewable power sector a little while ago. People like solar. They think it's interesting. Can water take that same that's a similar mantle and carry that forward where people are interested in working in the water sector for you know one because it's interesting but also it's there's a social interest there's a responsibility I, it's, it's i think it's an interesting face it's part of the reason i'm in it but you know that would make a big difference too Right. Attracting. right, right. Paula, do you have any thoughts on this issue? Well, yeah, I just wanted to comment. We're, we're doing a lot in terms of workforce development. So uh, we, ha we have a kinder to career. Uh, oh, that's our overall strategy. So we're working in our, our local elementary schools, middle schools. We're working in high schools. We also uh, have a number of internships, uh, environmental technology labs. So we're, again, we're encouraging uh, folks uh, to get excited about this field and, and uh, understand the value of working uh, within the water and wastewater uh, industry and, and sector. Um, certainly, I'm excited to be here. It's very dynamic. I think there's a lot of, of uh, interesting challenges that we have. However, we have a lot of solutions, and some of those solutions as we've been talking about is, is through digital um, and, and the digital force. And certainly, to give an example, we have, um, we've been installing some acoustic uh, listening devices uh, to, to, to learn more about potential leaks in our system without having to dig up all of the streets and that's a combination of, of both data and um, as well as a com working in partnership uh, with our, our distribution staff in terms of pinpointing where we should uh, dig up the streets um, and, and, and uh, deal with those leaks. And we've been very successful combining, again, both our workforce with uh, the new uh, digital um, acoustic listing devices. We're, we're kind of closing, coming in on, uh, on, our, on our timeline. So I'm, I'm going to kind of go around the horn here and ask you what 2019 looks like. What are your what are your expectations for 2019? So uh, I'll, I'll go uh, Todd and then Paula and then Reese. So uh, Todd, what what are you, what are you kind of expecting out of the water industry in 2019? 
Well, I think uh, a lot of that, as, as I was starting out by saying that, that 2018 was a building momentum time of year, um, utilities in general, I think we are moving much more digital. You know, we are definitely looking toward those those types of jobs like analysts and things like that to, to help us make smarter decisions, to kind of go back to what Reese was saying. Um, you know, asset management is huge, and if we can make the, the, the wisest investments for our customers, that's really where we want to be because um, as, as utilities have kind of been snow plowing capital investment down the road as, as long as they, they have been able to, there are huge you know, dollars that we're talking about now. And, and if we can make them almost surgically, that's, that's where we want to go, I think. And that's where I, what I see 2019 you know, leading. All right, Reese. How about you? What 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 is? I'm sorry, Paula. I'm sorry. How about uh, what what do you uh, anticipate? You know, and and looking looking at in 2019. Well, here in San Francisco, we're we're exploring and we're implementing some new innovative uh, programs. Uh, for example, we're we are working with breweries uh, so they can capture and treat their own processed water on site and to reuse that water uh, within breweries um, and potentially uh, actually brewing beer uh, with uh, recycled processed waters. That's certainly an exciting effort um, that also involves uh, technology and uh, the most uh, efficient uh, technologies. We're also testing uh, in our own headquarters, our own building. Uh, we treat our all of our wastewater uh, today. We use that water, uh, recycle it, and we use it to flush our toilets and our urinals. Um, we've been able to save about 60% of our potable water, so that, that in itself is a very significant effort with decentralized water uh, treatment systems here in our building. But our next, uh, our, our next step, and we're moving towards that in 2019, is actually to produce drinking water within our own building, uh, taking our wastewater uh, to drinking water standards. We won't be drinking it, uh, but we're doing it uh, for research, research purposes for real-time monitoring um, and to make sure that that water on a, a consistent basis is meeting uh, drinking water standards. So certainly it's a combination of, of online monitoring, uh, new treatment technologies that are efficient, um, cost-effective, uh, reducing drinking water for, for non-potable applications and, and recycling water um, in, in as many ways as possible. Awesome, awesome. Now now it's your turn, Reese. Let's, let's flip it to you. Yeah, all right. Well, believe me, I've been waiting with bated. <laughs> um, I think that, uh, look, I, as long as, you know, I think um, the economy continues to go where it's going, even, you know, as long as there's not a downturn, I think expectations will continue to grow. Utility budgets are up. Um, at least the capital improvement plan budgets are up, according to our data across the country. I mean, in fact, you know, I would say soaring over past years. Uh, which is a good thing. That means they're preparing. They see these problems. Whether they spend it all is a different different matter, but it's an indicator of, of what the market looks like. I think that's that's positive. I would say I think it's interesting, you know, Paula mentioned the breweries. I think that is, you know, whether it be breweries or just uh, industrial water reuse, uh, which I would also include on-site or decentralized systems, that is a growing area of interest, one among our clients, but also others. I think that is an because, you know, in a way, you know, the, these industrial companies or firms, I mean, they're having to, like, let's say a brewery, for instance, they're having to pay to um, to discharge this uh, high organic wastewater. So, 
as a result, you know, they're starting to look at other options themselves. So I think there's a bottom line focus, there's a branding focus. So you start combining these things, it makes an attractive uh, an, an attractive decision to, to look for other ways to reuse water. So uh, industrials, and I think we're seeing even water solutions providers do that. The digital, I think we've sort of talked a fair amount about that. We've seen that will continue to grow because, like I said, I think, I don't know, I was seeing a number the other day there, in our daily lives, there are, what, 40 million Alexa and Google homes out there that have been sold, which is kind of amazing to me. So the expectations from the customer side, but also I think the utility side, finding new technologies. And then, you know, I think the um, more broadly speaking, I think, you know, there are other interested parties looking at ways to get into the water sector. I think that will con continue to grow. We're seeing um, whether it be deal flow, so there'll be some M&A. And that being said, you know, it's not like when I talk about uh, M&A activity among utilities, it's not like there's actually, it's a pretty small percentage of uh, private companies buying public. So more often than not, it's private um, investor-owned utilities buying other private. So there's some consolidation among the privates. I think over the past three years, our numbers show it's been about 60 to 70% of the deal flow has been private to private. So I don't want to overstate that. But what it does is it attracts interest not only from existing players in the U.S., but it also attracts uh, interest from outside investors out, out of the U.S. that want to find ways to deploy capital. Great. As well. So those are a couple takeaways, or at least things that we'll be looking out for. All right. Awesome. Well, Paula Kehoe, Todd Danielson, Reese Tisdale, you've all been fantastic. I really appreciate you coming on, sharing your viewpoints and sharing your experiences. So uh, thank you so much, and I hope uh, you all have a fantastic holiday. Happy holidays to all y'all. And to you. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. Thank you. Man, what a great panel. I uh, hope you enjoyed that panel with Paula Kehoe, Director of Water Resources for the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission, Todd Danielson, Chief Utilities Executive of Avon Lake Regional Water, and Reese Tisdale, President of Bluefield Research. Great depth and breadth of knowledge that we just heard from, and I, I thought they were fantastic. I think it was a it was a great great end uh, to a terrific 2018, and I hope you guys have all had a fantastic 2018 and are looking forward to 2019. I wish you all a happy holiday. And we will see you again. We have some great guests lined up for you in 2019. I think you're really going to enjoy uh, the slate of, of guests we've got. So uh, stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, whatever podcast directory you're listening on. You can check the show notes out for this episode at thewatervalues.com forward slash pod138. That's thewatervalues.com forward slash pod138. You can leave a comment on those show notes. You can email me at david at thewatervalues.com. You can tweet at me at uh, my handle, which is at DTM1993. Tweet about the podcast using the hashtag watervalues. Uh, you know, just you can email me about anything. I've, you'd be surprised what, what folks have emailed me about. So um, with that, again... I'll reiterate my happy holiday wishes to you, and I hope you have a fantastic new year. We'll see you in 2019. In closing, please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values Podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource, so please join me by going out into the world and acting like it.
You've been listening to the Water Values Podcast. Thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me. Thank you for tuning in to the disclaimer. I'm a lawyer licensed in Indiana and Colorado, and this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship with you or anyone else. Information in this podcast should not be considered legal advice. Further, this podcast is not a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer who finds water issues interesting and who believes greater public education about water issues is necessary. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.